0: word why what a curious word kind of word that can make us cringe feel defensive or even distant but you know sometimes why is the key a key that can unlock so much to our lives join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world those that entertain us inform us teach us about life and if we're lucky inspire the next in all of us I'm your host dr. Rod Berger And welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. All right, let's go down a few rabbit holes today on the podcast. Let's talk to an author, someone that I've known in a context um, based in education, but I think we're going to expand that conversation today. Going to be speaking today with Pete Hall, the author of Chasing the Show. By the way, great title, Pete. Uh, I love that because... In a fast paced world, we're always chasing something. So why not chase the show? Let's talk about that right out of the out of the gate. Tell me about the title, Chasing the Show.
1: Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Rod. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to see you again after, it's been a little while, so it's good to see you. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute, exactly. <laughs> um, well, the, the title of the book, Chasing the Show, um, is actually the third iteration, it was the third title. I had two different working titles as I was working on this project and i arrived at chasing the show the show is a term that we use to to describe major league baseball so the book is purportedly about a young man who believes he's going to be a professional athlete in particular he's going to be a pro baseball player and it follows the ups and downs of that dream so as he's pursuing that dream he is in effect chasing the show and like you said we're all chasing something. We've all got something on our minds, right? We've all got a goal, an ambition, a, a purpose, or something that is calling to us, and and that's what this is all about.
0: Why, why sports is the backdrop, and it, it's not a loaded question because I said off air. Anybody who knows me, I am a sports fanatic. I think that's even just a fair way to put it. I'm going to put you in the same category after reading the book, just in you know the acknowledgments of past and present, you know, uh, baseball um just hall of famers and just personalities and and how this young man and these kids think about you know maybe it's the red Sox and standing a certain way in the box and that but i think sports is a fantastic backdrop to this because it right now may be one of the few things that actually unites kids together with adults in an experience where you can actually share in the outcome in a very different way than you can in a classroom. So, talk a little bit about the choice because I think that was I'm going to make a guess that was a choice that you made that the lessons you wanted to sort of walk walk us through would be best served within the context of athletics. Yeah, and so, you know, there's two things embedded in that question. One is that
1: there's lessons embedded in the story. And so as a as an educator and as you know, I was a teacher, I was a, a principal, um, I can't just write a novel that just tells a story. I want to have it teach something. There's got to be lessons engaged there. And, and so there are lessons, there are talking points for kids, for teachers, for coaches. And the reason that we use sports as a backdrop for this is because sports is the metaphor for life. If there's one thing that's kind of encapsulates all of the, the essence of our lives, sports kind of does that. It It, it provides us an opportunity to strive for individual greatness, as well as the collective good. It gives us an opportunity to, one way or another, keep score and keep track of things uh, in our heads. And it is an opportunity for us to learn and grow so many powerful life lessons that extend beyond the field or the court or the pitch or whatever the the context of the sport is. So while this is, if you glance at it, you look at, oh, it's a baseball book. It's not really a baseball book. It's a book about growing up. It's a book about goals. It's about life. It's about how adults can help kids navigate that treacherous journey uh, for those precious developmental years in the, in the teenage domain. So we've, we found that you know having sports as a backdrop is something that really is kind of relatable to most of us, not everyone, but to most of us
0: let's talk about talk about sports in today's day mm-hmm. 2022 and and to get an idea of the impact on the young person so we you know so anthony sumner main the lead character in the book and so we'll talk a little bit about him but i wanted to sort of extend beyond what we just chatted about and talk about how sports has changed since you and i were young whether that's a good thing and anything that we can extrapolate and and potentially make better as we think about how much we are using sports as a crutch in a very, an increasingly divided society that we have, not to mention hybrid learning and kids not in classrooms and all kinds of uh, variables that continue to change, it feels like on a moment by moment basis. I think when, I, when we were growing up and, and people who are you know, into sports will get this, I, I think, you know, a lot of times whether you're judging, it doesn't matter, football, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter. There's that notion of, gosh, the referees, we want them there, we need them there, but we don't want them to be a part of the game, right? They should be in the background. And if we're talking about them, that means they made themselves a part of the game. Now I'm using that to say, it does feel like we are in such a competitive world right now in chasing things. And especially in sort of typical suburbia that we feel, it feels like we've shifted a little bit. And I'm wondering about the pressures on young people because we now we used to have, we talk about referees. Now I think we've got parents, we have organizers of sports and leagues that are making themselves increasingly more part of the narrative than even the kids on the court, on the field, than they ever have before. And I'm wondering how that impacts an Anthony Sumner or the Pete Halls or the Rod Burgers of the world that are sitting there wondering, I keep hearing about this thing from my parents about burnout. I wonder wonder what that is. And do we run the risk of negatively impacting such an awesome, you know, to use the book like a backdrop to learn life lessons?
1: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up and a great question. The thing that I have found it's it's the Pete Hall's and the Rod Burgers and our children. That's that's who we're really mostly concerned about, right? It's the the young people and how they're growing up. And I think that one of the things is more and more people get involved in that world of sports, and if you just think about the the clubs and the travel teams and the, all the, all the pressure that gets put on kids to hyper-focus on one sport, and this is your path. And this is your opportunity really is part of why I wrote this book in the first place was to provide a lens for having the conversation between adults and kids and between adults and adults. So, uh, the main character, Anthony Sumner's parents have a friend who's a counselor. And they engage in some dialogue informally to talk about, well, how do we parent our kid who thinks he's going to be a pro athlete when the odds are so, so astronomically stock stacked against him, right? I mean, so, so few, I think it's one out of 2000 kids who play in a high school organized sport, make it professionally to some level, some, just any level of professional, um, performance. And so the, the odds are really stacked against the, the tremendous majority of our kids. So what we're trying to do is be able to talk about what's plan B. What else is there beyond this? And we want to nurture that goal. We want to nurture that dream. We want to be there and be completely supportive. And we want to make sure that we don't overlook other possibilities too. So how do we have that conversation? What does that sound like? How do Who brings it up? And there's one scene in the In the book that I, you know, I, I personally like a lot is a scene in which the dad wants to talk to Anthony about something serious. And he knows that you got to get your hands dirty so you can free up your minds while you're having a conversation. So he, he has this, this whole elaborate ruse set up where he says, son, come help me fix the refrigerator. And there's nothing wrong with the refrigerator, but he keeps fussing with stuff while they're talking. So they're able to actually have a productive conversation. It's a neat lesson. It's a lesson that I got from my folks and I wanted to pass that along in a meaningful way. Um, and back to your conversation about, you know, referees and folks interfering, getting in the middle of it, they, they cloud the, the issue right when that happens. And the issue is about how are we growing up? What kind of lessons are we learning? How are we determining what's best for me and what's best for the team? and one of the things also that you know i wanted to address in this is that that idea of as coaches as parents we want to get the collective good and we want to address what's best for the individual And i think a lot of times we forget one or the other so parents maybe forget that it's about the team success and it's about learning how to be a part of a team and it's learning about how to contribute and what's your value and what's your um your avenue in And we think it's just about the kid. And a lot of times, as coaches, it's about the wins and losses. It's about the program, and it's not about developing the young person to be the best young person that he or she can be. So, I really, I I tried, I tried
0: to bring in those in a compelling, interesting story. I'm glad you brought in the role of the parent. Um, That's what I was wrestling with with this book, which is a good thing because it made me think about it, which was. you know, in a way, look, I think we like to organize things as human beings. We we like to put things on a shelf, We you know, uh, whether it's a refrigerator or a garage or whatever we're doing. And so, in essence, if I have to say, where am I putting chasing the show and who should be reading it? I have to be honest. I think to myself, do I, do I give it to my assistant coach and I coach my nine-year-old's basketball team? Do I give it to the parent that is non-responsive to emails about things pertaining to their child within the context of the sport? Uh, because I think it's important just in in supporting that young person and their their commitment, their understanding of what it means to be a part of a team. Is it a teenager that I'm mentoring that is very, very close to failing out of high school? Because even though he's not an athlete, there are lessons that he can pull from that give him an idea around just how complex and how beautiful the world can be as long as you sort of raise your hand and say, yes, I want to participate, right? I'll and so that. choosing that audience, and I'm wondering from the parent side of it, you know, it, it's, look, there's so much, of course, you know, COVID and a pandemic, I mean, it's just, it threw us in a, in a tailspin that I don't think we'll ever, you and I may be incredibly old when we start to understand the impacts, um, but I think one thing it did, which was interesting, and hopefully we can learn from this, is it actually drew our attention as parents, as adults, to what our kids are doing during the day when we don't see them. As simplistic as that sounds. And that's caused uproar, that's caused challenges in sort of parent teacher relationships, what to convey, what not, how to have a relationship that is productive but not obstructive. Um and I'm wondering how we think about it in the context of of an Anthony. Uh you know, I there's a what's it maybe chapter 47 48 you know they're going to the all-star game and it's the it's the drive back and the parents kind of have this just general conversation on how he thinks, how he thought that he did that day, right? And he kind of gives the just standard answer and sort of plugs in his headphones and he's sort of on to the next. And I'm just wondering what's going through those parents, their minds, when you're writing that, when you're thinking about it as to, in essence, how much should they be leaning in? Just like in academics, how much should we be leaning in And are there lessons to be learned from what we've experienced through schools that we can take as parents to the the athletic field that can benefit the young person? Because I find as a coach, there are, you know, it's really, it's it's not even 50-50, it's like 20% of the parents, I think have a pretty solid understanding of the role this team can play in this kid's growth and experience as a third grader. But I think that the, the other 80%, not that they don't want to, but they're in the dark. It's almost like a language they don't know. And they're sort of handing them off. It's like, you hold the baby, no, you hold the baby. Right. <laughs> so talk a little bit about it from the context of Anthony's parents and what we think we can do based on the challenges we've been facing in our schools across the country.
1: Well, you know, I think it's really important that we we even broaden it beyond sports. So whether sports, music, clubs, activities, like, um, hunting, fishing, playing dungeons and dragons, whatever it is when there when there are those passions and those things that we do collaboratively with others, there are lessons there. There's lessons in success, there's lessons in failure, there's lessons in struggle, there's lessons in developing and uh, getting better at something and dedicating yourself to something. and as as older people who have been through the fire, rod you and I can look at you know nine-year-olds and we can already say, all right, you're probably not even going to make the varsity high school team based on your skill level right now. However, there are lessons there and there are things that we want you to learn as as you grow up. And I think that's the that's the element of parenting, coaching, teaching, counseling, mentoring, you name it, that we want to be intentional about. And so often, like you said, parents hand off kids to the school, parents hand off kids to the to, to the coaches, and then simultaneously. Schools send kids home now. They go like, oh, now, that's yours now. And as coaches, we say, Okay, practice over, go home. And we want to make sure that there's collaboration and communication, and there's opportunities for us to be on the same page, as it were, as far as well, how are we developing these young people? How are we raising them together? And we do have that responsibility that we share. And when kids are engaged in multiple activities and they're they're around multiple grownups, it makes sense that the grownups would have some kind of communication and or some kind of basis upon which they interact with kids and lead kids and work with these young people. So I, I, I think it's critical. I think it's something that um, I know in, in my own experience growing up, uh, I didn't have I, I don't think my folks talked a lot to my coaches and to my teachers at school. I think that I tried to with my kids. I mean, my son played soccer. My first daughter was in gymnastics. My second daughter rode horses. So I tried to have some kind of contact and communication with the adults in their lives. And I tried to connect with school people. Being a principal, that kind of affects things when I go and have a conversation with somebody else's teacher. I'm like, well, tell me about how my kid's doing at school. And they're like, are you coming to me as a principal or as a parent? And nevertheless, I think it's an important conversation for us to continue to have, and So part of this was to create that conversation piece. This book is, is uh, intended to be that conversation piece that when you're thinking about where is it on the shelf? I think it's on the coffee table and someone looks at it and says, well, what is this, what's going on in here? And then we talk through
0: it. Headroom is produced by old soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. Yeah, because there's such meaning, I think, in in so many people's lives as adults when they think about sports. I'll I'll share a quick story. This past weekend, our team was down... (laughs) an incredibly amount of points. It was not looking good at halftime. And for whatever reason, and I'm, you know, I am a believer in sport. I've just, that's just what's in my DNA. I looked at these nine-year-olds and I said, who wants to climb a mountain with me, right? And all these kids said, I want to climb a mountain because I just knew I got to get them motivated to sort of chip away. And we ended up winning and it was such an incredible moment. And the kids were crying at the end because they had achieved something, you know, they had... Not only had they scored the points, but they'd played the defense and kids who normally weren't very active were very active. And then I, I talked to one of my best friends later that day and he's in his mid fifties. And he immediately, Pete referenced an experience he had in little league hmm. that, I mean, he, the way he described it, it was like he was Anthony Sumner at the all-star You know, I mean, it was just like yesterday, yeah, right? And there's a reason why elementary kids, when you say, how was your day? And they say, oh, I had PE, it was great. <laughs> yeah. There's something when you combine physical, physical activity and other friends that elicits just an entirely different experience. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but to me, like that, that's sort of that golden nugget, right? Which is, how do you help the Anthonys of the world understand the realities of chasing the show while not diminishing their spirit right and but also propping them up to find other areas of life where they can experience those challenges and those highs and lows yeah and also be not com- comfortable maybe is the wrong word but i don't know maybe that is the word maybe you've got a better word but the visceral reaction that people have in understanding you know some might equate it to finding love right when they're young and 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 that kind of a thing or a career
1: well, I think what you're referring to is that intense emotional experience. So you, I mean, a Rod, that's just good coaching, you know, from, <laughs> my, that, <that's, laughs> from coach to it. coach. Huh? That, that's just really good coaching. <laughs> and the other piece of it is, you know, the kids experience intense emotion with that event. They've been playing basketball all season and they've had practices and they've had games and they've had conversations with their friends and their parents and they've played on the playground at school, et cetera, et cetera. And that has probably all been positive and good and had, there's a lot of different things accompanying that. What you're talking about is that intense moment where they feel those emotions really strongly and that will last. And we don't know as grownups, we don't know what those intense moments are for each of our kids our children, our students, our um, our players on the team, the kids in the club, whatever it might be, we don't necessarily know. We don't know what comment we make. We don't know what experience, what match, what game, what event is the one that they will hang on to till their mid fifties and then be able to reflect back on it like it was yesterday. So the key for us as grownups, I think, is to handle all those moments as if maybe this is the moment that this kid's gonna hang on to. Forever, and if we treat it with that kind of respect and that kind of sanctity, I think that directs our involvement with the kid. It directs how we say what we say. It directs our body language and our facial expressions. It, It, because it's those, and I can tell you, I've got moments from growing up as a kid that there's some grown-ups that I will never forgive for some of the things they said to me you know on the court yep. or in the hallway or in the classroom and there are adults that said things that I guarantee they don't even remember and I will I ha- I remember their face their smile the way you know and and it they sit with us those intense emotional moments sit with us so as coaches as parents as educators we need to be cognizant of the fact that this could be a moment for somebody and we just we just want to make sure that we are at our very best so that we can support our kids to be the amazing incredible people there whether they're
0: athletes or astronauts or attorneys or whatever it might be tell me about the writing process um i have a belief that whether you're writing an article or a book or a short story or maybe even composing an email that has, that is in, incredibly intense right sort of going back to that those intense moments that you almost develop a relationship with words and those words become characters And I'm wondering how much Pete Hall is in Anthony Sumner and what was the relationship like as you were writing and not that you could maybe quantify it, but you, boy, you were on a string. You just, it felt like you knew the next line coming. You kind of could forecast out where this was going. Talk a little bit about your relationship with the character of Anthony.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, a lesson I learned from Stephen King back in the day is that authors write about what they know. So yes, I, you know, I had my experiences growing up and I, it took me 30 years to write this book From so from the time that I was about Anthony's age in a pretty similar type of situation where, you know, I had some illusions of grandeur, right? That I, I was going someplace with my skills uh, from that point to the point that I am now 50 years old and the the current light at the end of the tunnel is I'm competing in the senior games in Fort Lauderdale. I'm competing <laughs> in the long jump in May. So Which it's got to be in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, what?
0: right? Right. <laughs> sounds so, like a Seinfeld you know, episode.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and the and the point of that is that things do shift. And so now I've got yeah. this new passion, this new thing that I'm that I'm chasing, and something that's exciting for me. And it it took 30 years to write it. And there are there are a handful of those moments that I was referring to earlier, those intense emotional moments in the book that some of them are based loosely on actual events. Some of them are completely fabricated and some of them are almost word for word, how they played out. And by the way, that was really fun to to write like that um, and then give a copy to my dad and give a copy to my mom and be like, you figure out which ones were real, which ones are <laughs> not. How's your memory? I mean, what do you think? So that, I mean, that's all my personal thing, a bunch of personal Easter eggs in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are moments that that I'm writing and I get so lost in the in enmeshed in the writing that I'm like, I feel like I'm Anthony, I feel like I'm a part of it as an author. And then that's that's why you know, we refer to that as flow, right, where you get in that flow it's just it all is just coming together. And then it kind of makes you wonder when you sit back and look like if you were in the flow, then why did it take you 30 years to finish this thing? Come on, man. <laughs> so, I mean, it was. It actually took the pandemic for me to have the time to set aside the time to take the draft and the ideas and the general scope of, and sequence of the story and weave the lessons in and and make it meaningful and make it intentional. And I'm really pleased with the the outcome. I I keep referring to over here. This it's sitting over here. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> it, um, it needs to be by I'm your really side at all times. What's that? It needs
0: to be by your side at all times. Yeah. Well, I like to think so. I I think so. Absolutely. If you. If you sit back and you look at it and you say, "Gosh, what if you what if you played this out? like what what's the what would be the next in a series of chasing the show and when it comes to Anthony? How do you think it plays out? and or if you would have read this book when you were twenty, you know, and or sort of thought about those lessons because I think sometimes we we experience life through happy accidents. Right. there's a reason why we make a left turn or we attend a meeting or we we accept a phone call and it's all of a sudden it's an incredibly you know whether it's the butterfly effect, however you want to conceptualize it life is beautiful in its twists and turns and sometimes it's a book sometimes it's a movie you know sometimes it's a young person watching Goodwill hunting right or a shawshank yeah. or some of these classics especially from the male side of of the conversation so how do you think about this book in your own life and how it might have some of the lessons or some of the paths that it went down might have either impacted you or that you would have maybe glossed over because you were 20 and and you sort of knew better. Yeah, I wish I'd had it when I was 15.
1: I wish I could have why 15? Well, 15, you know, in the starting high school, um, trying to figure out exactly where I'm going to go with my life, what I was going to do, what I was going to focus on um, and not really dedicating myself fully dedicating myself, you know, out loud, but not as much internally towards goals. Um, And, you know, excruciating some of the decisions that the that the protagonist makes in our story. I mean, some of the things that he decides to do, you're just shaking your head. You're like, dude, why would you do that? What are you doing? What do you, and what's the expression? If, if I'd have known then what I know now. Right. Um, and that's, that's another reason why I wrote it is I wanted to put some of these lessons out there. And, and I know that lots of kids look at us as older people, like you don't know, what? who are you, how could you possibly know? But the life lessons and the, the advice and the guidance and the the journey is not that different, you know, from generation to generation, it's not, the, I mean, the tools, and the technology and the approaches and the accessibility to things that's changed, there's some things that have changed, but for the most part, growing up is not that different. So there the lessons I believe are timeless. Um, and I, I, man, I I wish I'd had him at 15 so I could have had somebody help, you know, screw my head on a little bit straighter. Um, I think things have gone okay in my life. I'm not going to complain about anything. Um, and as far as what's Anthony's next step, I've actually thought about that because I have read Stephen King stuff and I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, and we do write what we know. So I think at some point in in Anthony's career, he's going to be a school principal and, what I would like to do is actually write a kind of a thriller next. That's that's the next thing. Is Anthony's involved in some kind of thriller? And I have an idea. I haven't yet put pen to paper on it, so uh, you're gonna have to stay tuned for that one. But Anthony's Anthony's gonna have a pretty uh, interesting grown-up life
0: next. Well, I like the teaser there. and hey, we've yeah. got the we've got the the scary notion of the big quit with all these educators talking about leaving. so you, there are a lot of storylines I think that you could probably go down, uh, especially if you started putting pen to paper now, right, uh, right? Pete, let's close with this. talk about just how you have changed. and I know this is a podcast, and so people are they're listening to our voices. but you know, there's a there's a great sense of pride that I can just see through the video that you've got with this book, right? and that I think that's an awesome experience, right? And 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 to be able to know that you've put your time into it and that it's had that kind of an impact. Cause I find so many times people write and they they almost feel so distanced from it because it changes over and over and over again. You finally look at it and you say, I guess that's what I wrote, you know. <laughs> but right. you know what I mean? Once you kind of get into the editing, it becomes a very different dish than what you started with when you walked into the kitchen. And so how has this changed you? Um, I don't get a sense from the years that I've known you that you're somebody that lives in a space of regret or or perceived regret about the decisions that you make. And so I would think that this has had a a very profound impact on you, but correct me if I'm wrong and kind of let let the audience know just what this has been. Has it been cathartic? Has it been inspirational? (laughs) Like where does it land for you now that it's done and you've got the jacket here and you're all good to go?
1: yeah actually you know cathartic is a word that I've used often to describe the the impact that this had it did quite a bit for me to to process some of my own decision making and some of my own growing up and the 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 twists and turns that my life have taken that um i've I've come to grips a little bit better with exactly how things have played out and I'm extremely happy i'm mean you know, I married three kids we got you know a, a good thing going uh, I was a school principal and now I work with businesses and with schools and I do write and I did quite a bit of writing educationally prior to this. So leadership guides, books for teachers, things like that that have an impact. And I'm I'm super proud of the impact and the influence I've been able to have in that education world. And this this project is something that has really been um something I'm really, really proud of because it I think it's an entertaining story. If you just want to pick up a book and read an entertaining story, I think it's an entertaining story. Um, you know, we think a lot about how you know, stories have the Hollywood ending, and this, this maybe doesn't have the classic Hollywood ending. It it maybe has a, a feel-good ending, and it. it might not be exactly what the reader thinks it's going to be, um, but I'm really proud of it because it it does tell a good story, and I do believe that it is an important and helpful book for young people growing up and trying to navigate the, the path, and for the grown-ups, coaches, parents, teachers who have kids in front of them that are struggling, trying to find their direction, trying to find their passion, and we as grownups don't always know what to say, how to say it. So this gives good examples and counterexamples um, of how to do that. And by the way, and I don't know if you know this, Rod, that they are online study guides that we make, discussion guides. Let me let me paraphrase. They are discussion they're, guides. I've, I have looked at them, so yes, I would. Have, yeah. So I they're, <laughs> they're yes, yeah, so and they're just designed to be kind of like book clubs. So I intentionally did not write lesson plans or anything like that, but I I did write book club-esque discussion guide. So questions, prompts for young people, and then prompts for the not so young people that are reading the book to engage in some dialogue together. And I I have gotten really good feedback from folks that that's been really helpful as far as being able to set the stage and engage in some dialogue with folks. So I'm thrilled to death, proud proud is the word. I think more than anything else, it's just, I'm really proud of this.
0: Yeah, and I would say to use baseball as the analogy, I mean, it's not that you hit a home run and I enjoyed the book <laughs> immensely, but. I would say you actually earned it. so it's it's more you know, it's kind of like Anthony, you know, you know, slapping a double, right and uh, and stealing you know third. I mean you're kind of walking through that process, and there's I think that's something to be celebrated now is can we support value and promote the process for the young and 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 the wise in that regard? Where can people go to not only connect with you, social media, and I'm sure they can get the book sort of wherever books are sold. Is that fair? Um, I would hope so, you know, obviously on <laughs> online,
1: various places. If you go to our website that we created for the book where the discussion guides are and there's blogs and some other stuff, there's even a two truths and a lie about the author. So if you're really curious to know about this Pete hall guy, you can, you can look that up, uh, chasingtheshow.com is the website. And, um, I do have the ISBN number. So if you wanted to shop local, you could always search by ISBN number. Maybe you could find it there. If you wanted to stay away from the big box retailers, um, but yeah, there's it's up, it's open, it's out there and
0: uh I encourage folks to give it a shot. Well, keep up the good fight, Pete. You're you're always not only a good sport to have a deep conversation but you you continue to add I think thoughtful uh teachings that we can all learn from. We want to thank Pete Hall, author of Chasing the Show. Uh who Jason Quick of The Athletic said is professionally honest, a captivating medley of sports, love and life. I think he captured that quite well. Pete, we wanna thank you. Thanks so much to Pete Hall, ChasingTheShow.com. Thanks, Rod. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.